0: You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am awesome. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm not going to – I'm even more awesome than you are. How about that? Probably. Not even doubting (laughs) it. Because you were lying, and so am I. So, (laughs) Uh, Jimmy, you're watching Big 12 Media Days. I'm listening to Big 12 Media Days. I'm almost listening to it as I'm driving down the road from Indianapolis to uh, uh, Alexander City, and I'm almost listening to it out of – but what's the word I'm thinking, not necessity, but out of obligation, I guess, because (laughs) I mean, I I feel obligated to listen to college football right now.
1: Yep. It's that close. And whenever the media day stuff is here, I mean, you know, it's really close. It's the last free time the coaches and players have before practice starts because while they don't start practicing before practice starts, Those kids are working out like crazy. They know how difficult and hot it's going to be when practice starts. So they really ramp up the strength and conditioning stuff so they can make it through fall camp, which is the most grueling time of the year for all of them. There is never another time of the year in which the team practices as hard as they do for the three weeks that is fall camp. And by three weeks, I mean you practice for four weeks before the first game, but that final week is game prep. From Miami right, in Alabama's case. So the first three weeks is really a uh, fall camp. That's when the team is learning, uh, implementing the offense and defense, uh, doing some depth chart juggling in terms of who's winning what spot and what role uh, that all happens in that three weeks, but you got to be geared up and ready to go on day one. So that's why big 12 is media days this week. SEC is next week because, uh, we're running really low on time. The first practice, as you guys listen to this, uh, the first practice is just in three weeks.
0: Yep, that's right. Uh, meanwhile, you know what's funny? They keep bringing up Iowa State. Um, Iowa State's bringing yeah. back a lot of talent, a lot of a lot of players mm-hmm. back from a very successful season. They defeated Oregon in the bowl game, all those good things. Why didn't anybody ever mention that Brock, the Brock Purdy-Alabama connection? I, I would think that would be, um, something that everybody would be like, yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy's doing pretty well, and remember, he's got some Alabama on him.
1: Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy had a really interesting recruiting story, and most recruiting stories, like Brock's, in my opinion, over time, don't normally end well, but his did. Uh, and by that, I mean, yeah, he was an Arizona Gatorade player of the year, and quarterbacks, as we all know, commit early, and they're off the board. Uh, that you know, Quarterbacks, generally, everybody wants them to be the first domino so they can – Help recruit the rest of the class. That's how how ideally you draw it up. Well, Brock Purdy uh, did not have offers early, or from camps, or from fall tape. So it's getting you know dang close to signing day, and, and he has no offers. And all of a sudden, um, Alabama, which felt like they needed a quarterback in that class even that late, was like, "Wow, check out this kid." And and Alabama sees the tape and uh, and offers him. And like, like we, we want this guy or, or we are seriously considering taking this guy. Sometimes it's an offer, which means you can commit. Other times an offer means we would like you to commit once we decide to take you. Uh, And Alabama was seriously considering taking Brock Purdy uh, and didn't pull the trigger. And in the midst of all that, uh, obviously when Alabama offers you, it's like, it's like ringing the dinner bell. Other other programs hear about this. You know, here, here's a fact. and it, it, It's related to Brock Purdy, but it's important to say. A lot of fans may not realize this, but it's true. Those coaches that tell you they don't look at rivals in 24-7 and soon to be on three, uh, they tell you they don't look at that. that, that is a lie. <laughs> of course they do. That's how they can gather information quickly about what's going on across the country. Now, that doesn't mean that, like, Nick Saban and Alabama staff looks at, at recruiting rankings and takes them to gospel and doesn't do their own evaluations. Of course they do, but they use it as a tool to gather information, uh, and and it's smart to do that. So my point is, when Alabama offers a Brock Purdy and then it's out there on on Bama Online, then it is seen. It is seen. That word gets to all the other programs, and then it's like, huh. Maybe we should take a look at that kid. And then an Iowa State makes their own evaluation. But for all we know, they heard of the kid because Alabama was, was interested in him. And then they watch the tape, and they're like, we need a quarterback, and this kid's really good. And they were ready to pull the trigger, and they did. And the kid ends up going there. Most kids to me who, especially a quarterback, who show up super late to the party you know, and, and are kind of signing day decisions – i bet the batting average as to whether those kids worked out is probably slow, but Brock Purdy is an exception to that that rule or theory uh, because he's been really good. There is no question that Brock Purdy himself has elevated Iowa State's uh, program. And uh, on the one hand, I think all this preseason talk about Iowa State is a little out of hand. I I, I think they'll have a good year, and I think they'll be good and I think they're going to win a bunch of games and be really good by historical standards for Iowa State. But this, uh, you know, I see some playoff talk, some winning the Big 12 talk. Uh, I don't see it. I think they're going to be just short of that. Uh, I can buy them being number two, three, two or three in the Big 12, Uh, but I think the odds of them winning the Big 12, I think they have better odds of finishing fourth or lower than winning the Big 12 myself. Uh, and I'm a Matt Campbell fan, and I'm a Brock Purdy fan. Yeah, they beat Oregon in the bowl game, and I think that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from, uh, because, but gosh, those bowl games, I, I don't really know what they mean anymore. But I, I know this, uh, they are they are good, and but Oklahoma's really good, and Texas is going to be pretty good. And That that league's a little better than you think. Oklahoma State is pretty good. TCU is good annually. Texas Tech can score points. Baylor is capable. West Virginia is capable. Kansas State is capable. They beat Oklahoma last year. Let's also remember this. Yeah, Iowa State beat Oregon. They also lost to Louisiana Lafayette. I, I, I think as a general rule, Luke, let's adopt this as a rule on the Locked on Bama podcast. If you lose to Louisiana Lafayette, you are not allowed to discuss the playoff even in the following season.
0: I think that's fair. Not, I think
1: you, you have to playoff. take a
0: two-year moratorium on playoff discussion. I, that's fair. And
1: playoff. Yeah, not saying
0: yeah. you can't win 10 games, go even yeah. play in the New Year's Day Bowl or have a great
1: year. But if you're losing to Louisiana Lafayette, you're probably not making the playoff even the following year. And that's what I mean about that loss. Uh, I remember watching all 60 minutes of that game – because I was rooting for Napier and the Cajuns. And, and and they're a good program. They're a good team. But uh, think of other playoff teams, Luke, teams likely to make the playoff. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Uh, are they losing to Lafayette? Probably not.
0: Oh, hell no. But, you know, um, I think that's a good rule of thumb. And the other thing is, I don't think, I think I heard today, I don't think Iowa State has ever won 10 games in a season.
1: Wow. That's doable for this team, but the margin for error is low. Oh, let's remember they also play Iowa in the non-conference, which, which is just not a gimme win for anyone. Iowa's always that sneaky good team that like no one gives any preseason attention to, and then the season ends and they're they're ten and three or nine and four, or sometimes even eleven and two, and you're like, oh yeah, Iowa was pretty good. Um, but but I, I, hey, I, I'm not I'm not I don't mean to be dissing Iowa State. I, I think they're going to be really good per their historical standard. Jimmy, you always go around dissing people,
0: like you're in a rap battle.
1: sort Uh, of rude, sort of rude.
0: uh, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about a potential surprise commitment coming up. Jimmy, one uh, focus this year in recruiting for Alabama should be wide receiver. We talked about Barry Mm -hmm. and Brown yesterday. Um, love there's, Evan, there's Evan Stewart out there who I think we all love and would love to have. But there's a kid yeah. that's burst onto the scene from right here in good old Alabama. Well, I'm not in Alabama right now, but you know what I mean. Kobe Prentice from Calera High School. And I'm going to tell the truth. I'd never heard of him, never considered it until Tim sure. Watts and Hank South on 24-7 Bama Online came out and started saying, hey, Alabama had this guy at camp. And they've seen him run. They love him. Um, And he runs about a 4.38. So, yeah, they're going to probably offer him. And he decommits from Maryland yesterday. And I don't think it's any quinkening that um, he's starting to get some crystal ball work towards Alabama.
1: Yeah, I would say today, uh, I mean, in terms of like a guess and, you know, because that's all, all we can ever do. Even if we have information on the inside, all you're really doing is guessing because who the hell? Things change in recruiting really fast. But yeah, today, this moment, I would say Kobe Prentice is likely to commit to Alabama pretty soon. So uh, when that happens, I run to the tape because while he wasn't a new name to me because he was in the top 50, and I I tend to watch tape of all the top 50 guys in Alabama, uh, I don't recall watching his tape, frankly. Uh, I I was aware of him uh, being a top 50. Because a top 50 prospect in Alabama these days. If you're a legitimate top 50, you're probably signing with an FBS school because um, that's how deep the state's gotten over the years with with the numbers. But, uh, yeah, I was aware of him. But until uh, Tim Watts and Hank South were doing that excellent reporting, um, I didn't know that, that this kid would end up on Alabama's radar. As we talk about all the time, look, Alabama offers, what, six, eight, ten kids from from Alabama in a normal years. So why are we really – looking at a kid in the 40s, you know. Now, that said, we can do a whole show on, on how wonky the rankings are this year. It's a little crazy, and, and the, the the short – we've talked about it for a little bit, but the short answer to that is COVID. But the, I, I think of, of all years, I think we should pay a little less heed – don't ignore them – but a little less heed to rankings, especially early rankings. So I watched Kobe Prentice the other day. And then I watched it again this morning with a more critical eye. And, you know, first of all, the speed is a take. And by that I mean as f- this kid is legit fast. He ran a 4.38 at Alabama's camp. He, he plays to 4.4 speed on the field. This kid is legit fast. He'll be fast in the SEC. That's how this kid runs in his pads. He can really motor, I think, to be completely honest, eight Eight of the 14 SEC schools should take this kid uh, on nothing but speed because (laughs) eight of the 14 SEC schools should say, uh, I'll take him. Now, the other six who I consider, you know, the most premier recruiting schools in the country, including Alabama, you're going to have to see a little more than that. You've got to be a football player, not a track star. So when I watched the tape this morning, Luke, what I was like, okay, I'm going to do what I can to ignore the fact the fact that he is the fastest human on that field times three I mean I'm gonna ignore that and what you what you want to look for is wide receiver skills what if this kid is this kid a take if he is a four six guy and not a 44 guy you know if he had normal SEC speed for a wide receiver is he a take and, and by that I'm looking for wide receiver skills and I was pretty impressed there, there was just a few clips of it but I'll tell you the difference between a track star and a football player, Luke, is the contested catch. Will he go up when he is covered? When someone inexplicably has covered him well, probably because the quarterback threw a bad pass, but if he's covered and he's got to fight the DB for the ball, can he still come down with it? Because that's a football player. Another thing football players will do that track stars don't is block and whoever did his huddle tape, was very smart to put a few clips in there of him being real physical. And, you know, he's not the biggest kid in the world. They probably, I think he'll list him around 170, 175 pounds, and he might even be a little bit smaller than that right now. Um, but there is clips of him being physical, making the contested grab, and running through tackles. Now, of course, he's always running through DB tackles. That's not like running through you know, Christian Harris or Henry T's tackles, and, and that's fine. He wouldn't have to do that in SEC games, you know, but but I see some toughness. I see a football player. That's why I tweeted just a while ago, Luke, um, hey, forget the speed. We know what we got there. But is this guy a football player, a track star? I see a football player. And to me, that makes him a take even for Alabama, LSU, A&M, Georgia, Florida, um you know Auburn, the the, the real uh, powerhouse recruiting schools in this league. I think he's a take for everybody.
0: Jimmy, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about the latest with Jaden Shackelford. All right, so Jaden Shackelford uh, was in the transfer portal. Apparently, came down to what Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Well, now there's all kind of scuttlebutt that he may end up back at Alabama, um, and I. I I welcome him back with open arms. I I think whatever criticisms we have, because that's what you do when one of your players enters the transfer portal, you try and um, downplay the loss as much as you can, even though I think you and I both admitted we love Jaden Shocker. He's fun to watch. When he's on, he's great. I thought he had a bit of a sophomore slump, even though he led the team in scoring last year. Um, Mm. I, I, I thought he could have been better. But I will welcome him back with open arms, no problem at all. I'm hoping he um, is over that sophomore slump a little bit. Because if he is, I think this team is extremely dangerous. And all of a sudden, a team that was now has fallen down to a four seed, according to uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology, it was a two seed, um, has fallen down to a four seed after the departure of Primo and Shaq. Um, I think if Shaq comes back, I think we're up to at least a three and maybe a two again.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly like like you're saying. You know, it's a good – not that people that listen to Locked On do this, but it is a great lesson to all of our people who have very quick emotional responses to things and they see Jaden Shackelford enter the portal and for some reason feel compelled to run to social media and and be angry and insult the kid. Like, (laughs) what are y'all doing? I mean – the only time, it's never acceptable to do that, by the way. It's never acceptable to do that. However, I won't be as hard on it if I know our coach wouldn't care. But at the same time, some of our fans were ripping Shaq. Nate Oates was trying to talk him into staying. So I'm sure Nate wouldn't appreciate those tweets and posts. And just give these kids a break. They're, 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 they're making life-altering business decisions, and they're not waving pom-poms and shakers like, like we fans do. They, 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 there's a lot of pressure on these kids to make the right decisions. So I think it, it, it could work out great for Alabama and for Shaq, and I suppose Nate's pitch to him was this. Hey, it's fine. If you think you're better suited at this program or this program and it's better for you than Alabama, uh, we'll respect that. But But make a list. Like what are you looking for? there that you're not going to get here you know why are why do you want to leave and what are they what are you getting that justifies the leave because if you're leaving because you wanted more shots and more minutes you know be damn sure you're getting that you know be damn sure don't don't leave alabama because you're worried about your minutes and go to oklahoma and, and and play 11 minutes a game you know that that would be a huge mistake so I think – I'm going to assume – I'm going to assume everyone did the smart thing here, that Alabama didn't rush to to replace him and that Jaden didn't rush into the wrong decision and, and basically everyone made the best decision for themselves. Because Alabama, by the way, could have moved on. I don't know if everybody knows this rule, but once you enter the portal, you do not have to honor their scholarship anymore. Jaden could have withdrawn his name from the portal – called Nate Oates and says I want to be back at Alabama, and it would have been within the rules for Nate Oates to say, I'm sorry, your spot is gone. You can come back, but you've got to walk on. <laughs> he, could have, he could have said that, but he did not. Uh, he didn't rush and give the spot away, and Jaden didn't rush into what could have been a bad business decision for himself. So uh, hopefully that's what happened, and, and if there's any losers in this, it's the, the, the small handful of Alabama fans alone. Stout when Shaq uh, entered the portal.
0: You know, it's very reminiscent of that uh, episode of Friends when Ross and Rachel break up. Ross gets drunk, goes to be with another girl, and Rachel goes back and goes, hey, you know, what the hell? And he's like, we were on a break. I mean, Nate Oates could have said, Shaq, we were on a break. And so I went out and recruited another dude. I mean, what do you want me to tell it? What do you want me to tell
1: you? Well, so, well we, had the top, yeah, we had the nation's top transfer admitting on his bullhorn that he liked Alabama. You know, the the kid from Oral Roberts who who, who would get yeah. drafted, by the way, if he stayed in the draft. He was getting drafted. That's how good this kid is. And he's like, no, I'm taking my name out of the portal. I'm going to go back to college, and I'm interested in these ten schools, including Alabama, <laughs> and then he even included Alabama when he narrowed it down to four. But I think in this particular instance, Luke, it's a good look into this process that just because your school is on a kid's list, that does not mean that the kid is on your list or that was on a hateable. I would imagine Alabama was flirt- – let, 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 let's keep on the Rachel Ross analogy because it's good. I would imagine Alabama flirted hard with this kid in case Shackelford signed with Oklahoma. You know, If Shackelford's like, I'm going to Oklahoma – We've got this relationship with the kid because we've been flirting. But I, I don't think there was any point where he was a take for Alabama because what Nate really wanted was for Shaq to return, which appears to be the case.
0: Well, let's just – let's hope it happens. It may have happened by the time this podcast gets put out, but who knows. If it has, hey, it was still a great discussion from Jimmy and me. So, <laughs> you got to, you got to be entertained by that. Um, all right. Uh, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this episode. And so until next time, Roll Tide. Roll Tide.